0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on
1: building trust.
2: Welcome to the Celtic State of Mind Daily Bulletin. It is Wednesday and it is the turn of myself and Amy Canavan to bring you the latest news from Celtic in the last 24 hours. Amy, we've just actually come off another podcast together, so anyone that's been watching has had almost two hours now of the two of us together. Um, Lucky, lucky then. Actually, (laughs) yeah, just seen a comment coming in there saying, oh no, not again (laughs) yet, but it's us. Um, Hi. But yeah, we're here to discuss what's happened um, in the world of Celtic in the last 24 hours. Uh, and what a 24 hours it's been. There's actually so many stories we're looking to cover today. Let's see if we can fit them all in. But we'll start with the main kind of story that's broke. And that is, came from Hugh Keevans on Clyde Super Scoreboard last night who confirmed that Celtic have reached out to Eddie Howe to ask the question whether he would be interested in the Celtic job. Looking at some of the reports that's came out, He's not the only person to have been contacted and also Eddie Howe has been contacted by other teams as well. Preferably, his first option is a Premier League team. I don't know how much truth's in that, but is Eddie Howe the right man for the Celtic job? Amy, what's your thoughts?
3: It's Like I say, it sounds like a broken record, but um, I think he's the most sort of like approachable in the sense that I think he's the one that we can probably get. Um, obviously We've, we've just spoke off air. Yeah, Martinez is the dream. Of course it is. But I think that's totally and utterly in a world that I'd like to be in, but I just don't see it happening. I think how as, as a, as an admirable option, but also like a plausible option, I think that we could get him. Um, So yeah, I take how in a heartbeat. Absolutely. So um, let's hope that Hugh and, and others actually, I don't know, has it actually been confirmed that it's just, like, I know he's came out and said that but is there verification that is actually true?
2: Obviously there'll, there'll never be that sort of verification no. um, that he'll, but I mean Hugh Evans does still have fantastic contacts yeah. at Celtic um, anyone that's heard the football insomnia that I had with Anthony Haggerty has heard the story of how Hugh Keevens is one of the only people to get a story out of Henrik Larson in his time at Celtic. So it does show um, that the old man's still got a lot of of life left in him. Um, And, I I mean, a lot of people coming in saying, how now? I've been going on now for the last sort of four or five months that Eddie Howe for me would be the ideal man for the job. Um, And, I mean, the the comment coming in here from Kinky Hedeti just saying, Eddie Howe is just using us as a bargaining chip to get an EPL job. He's never coming here. I I really don't know about that. I mean, there's only so many jobs that someone like Eddie Howe would be kind of put forward for. You're not going to see him in a top half team. So you're looking at teams that's fighting towards the bottom half of the Premiership, teams that are kind of sitting in that relegation battle. Um, Whereas if he comes up to Celtic and he has a success up here, suddenly um, he's then touted for the bigger jobs that he wouldn't have been um, he wouldn't have been touted for before. You've seen what happened to Brendan Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> take a look across the city at, at Rangers. I mean, suddenly Stephen Gerrard's been put forward for the to be Jurgen Klopp's replacement. Look, it's incredible what success and what is apparently a smaller league in Scotland can do for a manager's reputation. So, um, I think for Eddie Howe to come up here, I think it's a great fit at Celtic, especially someone that has the the kind of history of working under the sort of director of football, sporting director idea that Celtic um, sort are of looking to introduce going forward. A name that's been linked with the job of that sporting director is David Webb, as someone that's worked with um, Eddie Howe before. I mean, I think probably we're sounding out a couple of options, but if Eddie Howe is one of them, then for me, I think it's it's worth heading in the right the right sort of path or going in the right direction if that's the calibre that we're looking at
3: Yeah absolutely like you say it's one of those I, I get what the comment means it's the like I think people obviously still look back now that oh um, Brendan Rodgers used us as a stepping stone but to be honest that's all right. That that is what we are we are that stepping stone club right now it's like a massive rebuild is needed um, and I get there is a lot of people out I think in the coming days as well, there's a lot of people saying that is he actually the right man for a total not to rebuild. I do still sort of see that in the sense that he could bring this sort of new style of football to, that, that we need. We, ju- we need something to rejuvenate, something to, to really kick start us again. Um, and again, I'd like to see, I think there's people who, who are anti-how, not fair enough, but give me a name. That we actually can aim for, we could really secure who who could do a better job than now. I think right now we have to be realistic in the sense that, like, we're not like Steve Clark. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. Martinez, I really do not see that happening. Benitez, I do not see that happening. So if somebody could offer me a realistic alternative to how then I'd gladly gladly hear it like I really would but um, and I appreciate that he's maybe not got the the silverware behind him like the big silverware but promotion through the leagues especially in the Premier League is no mean feat Um, and he's certainly done that with a, a squad yeah, there, there's some great players down at Bournemouth, but he had to develop those players these players weren't coming in and they, they were tailor made no there's development there and he really had he had to build so I understand that people are are not saying that they they they, they don't want him in for the rebuild but he really had to build something for Bournemouth and remember he' done that in two spells um mm-hmm. he has he's done a lot down there for Bournemouth um and yeah like i say the fact that there are there, you, you can hear from fans down south that there are, there are clubs that would want um, how so that's these volumes as well, obviously our club's not going to come out and say oh we want any how of course not but fans are wanting are wanting them as well and they're seeing them a, a lot more than some of us um, so there is obviously demand there um, and yeah like I say I just think that how <laughs> it is time to try something new, I understand that he's not got the Celtic links but I think maybe that's been on a little bit of a downfall in recent times for Celtic fans that we've sort of narrowed ourselves in the sense that we need to just look at from within um, or yeah. with, with players that have a connection. Now, I understand in recent times maybe Ronnie Dyla has not been, uh, for some people, the, the best um, example of that. But if you give a guy time. And like I say, this is a real time that he's coming in and now in a rebuild. He can really stamp his style on the the, the game here. Um, and on Celtic, and I think that he is sort of at the stage of his career that Celtic is the right move, move for him.
2: I'm not bringing this up just because we have the same initials, but CW has just come in here saying, Eddie Howe still had some of the same players in the Premier League as he had in League One. He couldn't manage better players. Now, I, I don't agree with that. I think what that suggests is he's actually developed those players. And that's something that we haven't seen under Neil Lennon over the last two years. We haven't seen anybody... Progress, really. I mean I think the only one you could maybe um, kind of su- suggest has progressed but probably not to the level that you should have is Christopher Ayer. Um, everyone else seems to have taken a, a big step back um, I'm sure everyone knows my thoughts on Ryan Christie's performances this season but he's, he's an example of someone who has really regressed over the last 12 months Um, And that's what I want to see from a a new Celtic manager. I want to see him trying to get the best out of what we've got there, as well as looking at some of the players that he's brought in. Guys like Joshua King that he brought in for next to nothing and then developed him into a fantastic player, Jordan Ibe, um, who was kind of let go from his club, brings him in, develops him. Anyone who, um, after this podcast, obviously we don't want you leaving now, but go and take a look at the performance that Bournemouth put in under Eddie Howe. It was a 4-0 victory against Chelsea, under Sarri's Chelsea. Um, And some of the football that he was playing, when you're talking about a team that were sort of towards the bottom half of the Premiership against a team that were up towards um, fighting for the title, sort of top four area, that performance was outstanding. It was the passing and the movement that you see and that everyone classes as the Celtic way. That was the sort of football that we're playing, a sort of high press, um, getting in Chelsea's face It's only five minutes long. Just watch that clip and imagine seeing that sort of football at Celtic Park. That would get the fans on side, in my opinion. And I honestly think that someone that is only, what, he's in his early 40s. Okay, uh, quite a few people have said, well, he went to Burnley and he was homesick. That was quite a while ago now. Um, This is a guy that's now out of a job. Um, He's looking to get his, his foot back in the door at a football club. And I honestly think that um, Celtic would be a fantastic option for him and I don't understand the idea of people saying well he's not kind of won anything he's done massive amounts for Bournemouth Football Club they've done, They've got a whole documentary on how they, he saved Bournemouth Football Club for me he's the man for the job and I've been saying this for months um, and the fact that we're going and asking him the question suggests that we're also looking at p- p- people of that calibre um, and people that have come out and distanced themselves from the job, like Paul Lambert, are actually nowhere near um, what the board are considering, um, because Lambert would be a massive step back.
3: Yeah, um, like I say, totally and utterly appreciate it. You're never going to please every fan, because you see you can see the comments coming in here, right, he's not um, managed at the highest level. It's a real catch-22, like, maybe he's not because... That the highest level. So you're you're saying EPL, but you're talking. I'm assuming you mean the highest level. Maybe like a club like Crystal Palace. I know I keep going back to that. I've not got anything against Roy Hodgson. I am really not. Um, but maybe he's not winning there because it's not as lucrative, and he can see himself going to a, a, a more lucrative club, i.e. Celtic. you can't please these fans. Um, they're saying that oh, we are a, a bigger club in Palace, but oh, why isn't? Um, how he got a job then down south at one of these clubs, maybe because he, like, you just can't please everyone, you really can't. Um, I can see, I keep going back to the point, I really do think, right now, I think with the new board coming in and everything, I personally would like to actually see somebody. Out with Celtic um, to come in and just because I think we sometimes like get a little bit too stuck in our ways that oh there's I appreciate and I'm not saying that we should be I'm not trying to sound like Jeremy Frimpong that like, oh we get used to to winning or um, that we shouldn't um, follow our history and because that's not what I'm saying but I knew we, we are all sort of in a demand that something has to change that we are in a period of change you're not going to get change if you're bringing in somebody who's if you bring in somebody who's being coached the same way as Lennon, being coached as an under O'Neill or something like that, There, a lot of that is going to be similar in the way that Lennon has coached because you emulate who your, your predecessors and and who you've had your biggest success under and um, you know we've both interviewed you interview ex-players ex uh, going into coaching and they say yeah you try to bring a little bit of every manager if you have everyone has that same success under O'Neill then they're going to bring a lot of O'Neill's qualities and if people aren't wanting that then that's what I mean we need to have that little bit of step away from perhaps that era like talking about like your Neil Lennon's, Paul Lambert's. Um, I think on BT Sports Go the other day there was something about Chris Sutton at five hundred to one. Um, but I think we just need that. Just need a little bit of a break from that sort of system. Um, and you know what? If it doesn't work out, and it doesn't work out. But there's so much if, buts, and maybe's he said to go for the last few years. And again, Brendan Rodgers didn't come straight from a job. You had a little bit of time out. What's wrong with Eddie? having a little bit of time out? Um, And I think more than ever, that's not really an excuse or not even an excuse, but I don't think that that's like a vantage point. It's been a global pandemic. Maybe he just quite simply didn't want a job right now. Um, There's lots of guys out there that, you know, it's family time. There's lots of different things. And I know I'm sort of just sounding like it's a bit basic, but these things all sort of come into consideration. Like you say, so you had that, that period of, um, Homesickness at at Burnley. Maybe then that's why like, he didn't want a job during COVID because. You know I mean, you can't uproot a family during that, and there's just there's a lot of factors going on. So I think right now to sort of pulling those sort of sides and those slants, and I just don't think that's the time to be doing ju- that du- during a, a COVID period.
2: No, and there's there's a a couple of comments come in that's been saying that Howe doesn't have any European experience. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a lot of coaches out there that don't have the European experience. Uh, but it doesn't make them a bad coach. Just I mean he's had to kind of handle what he's been dealt with. Um and the fact that he took a guy from they, they took a team from basically fighting for relegation. Um, they were they had 17 point deduction that they managed to get back from and still make their way into the the um the Premier League. I know quite a few people's come in saying, Oh, well they had the Russian influence and the Russian money. He still didn't spend anywhere near the money that's been spent um, by the teams in the top league. And he was outperforming what Bournemouth should be doing as a club. Now, I get the point that obviously he was homesick at Burnley, but he didn't necessarily have the worst record at Burnley either. He was still doing fairly well there. Um, honestly, I think Celtic should look at themselves as a progressive club. Um, we do it for players. We see players that come in, guys like um, and Dembele, guys like Odson Edward that you know... They only have a shelf life of about three to four years. Um, you know they're going to develop and they're going to move on. I necessarily don't think that's a bad thing um, for managers either because you see it after a certain period of time, even towards Roger's kind of final days and final games in or Celtic, so many people were saying he'll move on in the summer because it's kind of getting stale. We need to, to move on. Uh, we need to find the next person to come in. So. Nobody was anticipating that Rodgers was going to be here sort of five to ten years. So what what is the period of sort of, what's the shelf life for a Celtic manager nowadays? For me, I think it's three to four years. And if you get that out of someone like Eddie Howe and he moves on to a bigger club and you get the, the money in for him, then you can reinvest that in the next manager and bring the next person through and they'll have another three to four years. I don't know what you think about that.
3: Yeah,
0: I'm t- As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust.
1: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Totally with you. Um, like I do agree, because we need freshness is needed. Um, you're not going to have managers like Fergie being there for twenty odd years. Like that's just not the the climate footballs in nowadays. Um, and as it it's a it's a results based game as well. Um, so I I think three to four years. But I just wanted to touch back on that point. Uh, there's a lot of comments, and you said it yourself. The European experience. Rogers had it, Lennon had it that didn't prove well for us um, like I said <laughs> it's just so conflicting, you really are never going to please some people because you can't say, so we are aware that we need a clean slate Um i.e. the board, the management, everything. It is going to be a clean like sleep. We're talking about this new chapter. Ten is over. It is a new chapter. So if there's any time to bring in something new, something different, somebody un-Celtic, then surely this is the time. Now, I understand there's your, your traditionalists that are wanting, you know what I mean? You're wanting somebody who's had 500 games for Celtic and X, Y, and Z, but that's just not the world that we live in. And uh, I just think there needs to be a lot of realism that, yeah, we all want Benitez, we all want Martínez, but there has to be realism. You can't be saying in the same breath, oh, Celtic aren't this European stalwart that they used to be, but we should be bringing in Martínez. Like, it's just not going to work. It just doesn't go hand in hand. But like I say, I think the, the fact that he's not been in a managerial role for however long he's not been in, I don't think that that's an excuse not to have him. And I certainly do not think that the European experience is like a red flag, because like I say, Rogers had it and yeah we, we can talk about Rodgers all you want but no matter what his his European record was absolutely shocking um, it's not one to look back on with joy and that's been the case for, for many a season Neil Lennon as well it's not been um, I know you were in Rome but it's not <laughs> been um, <laughs> there's not been that many highlights it's not been consistently like and I'm not I'm not trying to drag him, but you look across across the city. Um, Gerard doesn't come in with that managerial European experience, and I think with all sort of take their European runs that they've had under Gerard, and and will probably get a lot of slagging for that. But you can kid yourself on, of course. Well, with that is where you want to be. You want to be heading into the. Whatever they're heading in the last sixteen of the Euro- Europa League, um, last thirty two for the last two years or whatever, like why why can't we sort of aim like that? Now maybe maybe that is the way forward to, to shake things up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean you take a look at it. Celtic's not won knockout qualifier, of a knockout game in the European Championships, whether it be the Champions League or the Europa League since two thousand and four. That's how long it's been since we won a straight knockout tie. Now, obviously, there's been times when we've got into the group stages of both the Champions League and both the Europa League. But once we get past that, there's it's it. Once you get to January, you play one tie, you get knocked out. Uh, you're right, that the kind of run that Rangers have been on the last couple of seasons is something that Celtic fans would absolutely take because they want to be seen as a team that can get to that sort of level. Absolutely. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. You're kind of in a situation where... The next man to come in has to get a lot of the fans back on side. Um, Now, as you said, Howe won't get everybody on side. But I think once you see the football that he manages to implement um, and getting... (laughs) Obviously, you've got to be dominant again in Scottish football. You have to win the league. That's That's the bread and butter. That should be the kind of staple for every Celtic manager, is that you have to win the league. Um, and then after that, it comes into the European thing. So everyone that's saying he's not got the European experience, he will get it. He will get it at Celtic and he'll be given the chance to develop it at Celtic. As you said, I was in Barcelona when um, Celtic could beat 6-0 at the new Camp. Uh, uh, 6 or 7-0. I've, I've tried to erase that. From- I was going to
3: say, you don't shout about it. that one as often as you shout about no. Rome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because it was, it was a terrible um, yeah. performance, an absolutely terrible performance. Uh, but then there is, for every 7-0 or 6-0, I can't remember, I'm trying to forget it, at the new Camp, there's a 2-1 in Rome. Um, even under um, Brendan Rodgers, with the 3-0 against Anderlecht. So you will get the good performance every now and again, but you're looking for that consistency. Um, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's Eddie Howe, and I don't know if you're not going to go for Eddie Howe, who's going to fit under that sporting director, director of football type manager, I seen people coming in, guys like uh, Jesse Mash, um, who I've probably murdered that pronunciation of his name. But that's the kind of player, the kind of managers that you're looking for. Someone young that's going to use probably Celtic as a stepping stone for the next job. Um, but as long as you get something out of that two, three, four year period that he's there, for me, I think you can't argue against that.
3: Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, maybe it's not the best that we're in such agreement, but um, like I say, if somebody can present to me an an alternative to how that we can afford and th- that we can just grasp, because like, and I'm not, t- and I'm uh, sound, like I say I sound like a broken record. Yeah, we can all dream with Martinez and Benitez, but if you can offer me an alternative to Eddie Howe, then I'm all ears. I really am.
2: Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, obviously, we're only two members for the Celtic State of Mind team. I've seen someone coming in on the comments saying, what happens if Howe comes in and he drops a couple of points? blah But blah, blah. look, we, we're we on Team Howe, right? There's other ones like, um, I'm trying to think, Jim Orr has been a massive kind of, been right behind Ralph Raniak from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, Kevin Graham even threw Jack Ross into the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Paul's been behind the martinez Maloney combination. It just shows that every Celtic fan has a... Di- yeah, and Mark Hughes, we don't like to mention that because we get a lot of comments coming in saying stop. They're all there, <laughs> Um But yeah, we are building... We're giving our opinion as Celtic fans. And that's the thing about this channel is there's so many different views. So you might not agree with us, and that's fine. But we're kind of putting our point across and you tune in on a different day and you'll hear a different point. So... Um, both of us are in agreement here, Eddie. Howe is our man? But we'll back any Celtic manager that comes in now, because we know we have to kind of look to the the future and see Celtic back in a position of dominance. Is that's where everybody wants to be.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, Eddie Howe is the name that is being discussed today. Who knows what will be discussed tomorrow? Um, it's been an incredible twenty four hours. You don't think that. During a period where Celtics not even playing to the weekend, that there'd be so much to talk about, but there is. Um, and I just want to go back to something that was brought up on Go Radio last night, um, and it was Jackie McNamara's comments. Now, for anyone that hasn't seen it, and uh, sorry, Kevin Graham just coming in here to say, I threw Jack Ross into the ring, but I was never behind him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't think Jack Ross will be anywhere near the Celtic job, just being honest, and I don't think Kevin thinks he will either, just to clarify that one. Um, So Jackie McNamara on Go Radio last night, um, and he's talking about the players' performance this season. Now, we can all agree that a lot of the players haven't put in the performances we expect from them this year, but just to kind of work on a couple of quotes on what he said, um, he said if they had Martin O'Neill in charge, they wouldn't be losing goals from set pieces. Now, I agree with that. You look at Martin O'Neill's team, you had guys like Bobo Baldi, Johan Mialbe, Stan Varga, Jos Valharan, big towering centre-halves that put the fear into the attackers um, and won quite a lot of things in the air. I think Celtic were really clinical at set pieces under Martin O'Neill. But he also said that you have to work on the basics. And if you're looking to the, the next manager to come in, you don't have to work on tactics. That's for the the managers and the teams that are in the upper half, the, the top levels. Celtic need to work on the, the basics. Again, something I agree with. I think this season, the basics is what has let us down. You take a look at the amount of goals we've conceded from set pieces, some of the silly mistakes. But it was this last bit. Players now are being told where to stand, where to pass the ball. The snowflake generation might not be able to handle the kind of training that we had under Martin O'Neill. The, the snowflake generation, that is just a big red flag. The reason it's a big red flag is Jackie McNamara is the agent for the current left-back at Celtic, Greg Taylor. I, I was astounded when I read that last night, Amy. It was just, I don't understand. He's and He's not doing it personally. But this attack on the Celtic players also includes one of his agents. Imagine being Greg Taylor and reading those comments.
3: Yeah, um, I'm sorry with you. And a lot of what he's saying is kind of right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, like, so, like you say, if you're talking as a Jackie McNamara, former Celtic player, then that's absolutely fine and you can sort of take that criticism. Because um, this is coming coming right from the horse's mouth and yeah i i I sort of do um agree with that but like you say you sort of chuck that that key crucial factor into the cauldron that he is greg taylor's agent and it's not the most um supportive and sort of like heartwarming sort of sign is it that it's not like a lot of trust um i'd sort of take it i don't know i think we spoke about it just a little bit um before we came on air like it's one of those ones that i actually like i, I do agree with him and in the sense i, I just think agent it's a tricky business anyway like it depends i think that's the sort of a time that maybe like i like jack mclamar and but it's maybe just that he shouldn't really be commenting on the situation at all in the sense that he is taylor's player um i don't know if you're going to bring that up from kevin but i think that's a really quite an interesting point because if, if, then if that's the case then yeah I think then that's um yeah I thought sort I of agree with that and I'm trying not to say it because I don't want to I don't know I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate but I can sort of see Greg Taylor probably agreeing with that in the sense that he came back from he came from um Steve Clark's sort of era his mm-hmm. training so yeah I think that is probably Fairly true. but Does it reflect well on Jackie Mack and reflect well on Greg Taylor? Probably not the best.
2: I, I just think that time for coaches is gone now. There's very few coaches nowadays that um, you see that can get away with the shouting at players and running them into the ground and um, just kind of the Martin O'Neill style. Martin O'Neill hasn't been successful as a manager in the last sort of five to ten years. There's never been a period in his sort of managerial jobs that he's had, even when he was the manager of Ireland, that suggested that that was going to work. And then I seen Roy Keane at the weekend, basically having a go at the boy Docker to Spurs, mm-hmm. and then he had the chance to uh, to put his own point across, and he says that when Anil and Keane were in charge of Ireland, it was a complete shambles. So I think that period has now moved on. You can't just shout at someone and expect them to play well. You actually do have to look at the tactics. You do have to look at the coaching. The amount of times that we have been, um, we've struggled to break down teams that put 10 at the back. They put 10 at the back and you try and break them down. That's down to tactics. That's not down to the fact that the players aren't running five miles in training every day. You have to actually coach that to say, well, if you're playing a team that's putting 10 men behind the ball, this is how you can break them down. And that's the tactic that a lot of teams are using and it's been so successful for them this season. So I, I really I don't agree with that, but I do agree with certain things that you're saying. Yeah. We do need to look we do need to work on the basics. We do need to improve the defence. But just some of it you're just saying that generation's gone. You have to move on. If you want to be a manager in the current day and age, you have to be more progressive than that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, it sort of pins back to us saying that maybe that's why Lennon's style of football isn't working now. He's sorta of going back to what O'Neill was talking. On. Yeah, I'm not saying that the players are snowflakes now. I'm 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 not trying to be in the same breath as Jackie man. But it is a different game in the sense that, yeah, very good if Jackie and, and Neil and that they used to know where they had to go. But I guess it's now just sort of became just sort of came second nature. Yeah, footballers do really do require a hell of a lot of training, um, and they do require a lot of man management, and that's why Lennon's approach and, and Paul Lambert's approach isn't really working nowadays. And you you look at um like you look at like Klopp on the sidelines, you look at Pep on the sidelines, they are going through every single motion with the players. There's and it's not just a coincidence that that those antics and those um like really heightened enthusiasm is is working and these teams are succeeding and Lennon slouching back feet up with John Kennedy isn't working yeah you can sit back and say well I used to know where I used I should have been standing so you should know where they used to be standing you maybe had better coaching when you were a kid these guys don't there's a lot like I say it's just the game has moved on, and it's um yeah it, we can all look back at the time Martin and Neil Style was was perfect and everything was swimming, but the game in itself has moved on. It's not a physical, it's not as physical a game now. It's all it's intricacies and it's little, it's, it's it is movement and everything is is so delicate and so detailed and so technical. It's not the physical game like you look. It's not the game that it was ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago. Like it's just not. It totally is and it is a cliche, but it's a different ball game altogether.
2: When you take a look at it, I don't know if anyone's had the chance to see Scott Bain's interview after the game at the weekend. Now, basically what he said is they tried to change the way that they were playing football. They wanted to play a possession-based game, um, playing out from the back, trying to dominate possession and trying to show off Celtic's ability on the ball um, and the kind of players that they had. Now, Scott Bain's saying that's a change. From the way that Celtic had been playing over the last sort of two years, but listening to that, it reminds me of the style that Brendan Rodgers tried to implement at Celtic. Obviously, John Kennedy being a coach under Brendan Rodgers. Now, if John Kennedy's seen that the style of football that Celtic have been playing hasn't been working this season, why didn't he come forward and say we need to change this up? It's it's clear to me that he's kind of let this go on and on, and now he's in as the caretaker manager. He's putting his own Kind of tactics and style across. I I just think we, we've kind of we, we let it, we let it stew for far too long, um. And you just wonder what could have happened if we'd made this change a bit earlier in the season. Now again, I'm not advocating for John Kennedy to get the job. Definitely not. I don't think he's he's got that ability to take it forward. But he must have learned some different coaching styles. The fact that he's been here under four managers now.
3: I think we said that ourselves. Um that's been a week now since um since Lennon's gone and we said at the time um I can't remember what I was gonna say though. I honestly cannot remember what I was gonna say. Well moment. Um that's I should be reading the comments. But um it's when it, yeah, oh now I remember. Regrouping me. But um if the players come out and play under Kennedy then it's like so have they not been playing under Lennon? Like I say, like First team coach and all of that, like there has to be some sort of print, uh made in the side. If it's one of those ones that Lennon's not been listening to Kennedy, then we'll, we're never going to find that out. We Quite simply, won't. But like, you see, the players coming out and saying, "Oh, we've not been doing this, we've not been doing that," then why not and how not? Um, that's not fun. But like, how have we not just been? It's just not seeming a very team effort, and perhaps like if if Kennedy was saying to Lennon, Lennon wasn't listening, maybe that is why. Kennedy's in the role now and didn't leave with Lennon there are so many if buts and maybes and somebody said earlier I'm sounding like Derek Johnson saying that but oh, it's just one of those ones that you will never really know and it is just like a, a story that you're just trying to predict the end And who knows if Lennon was stubborn and just wasn't listening or if Kennedy just never put these um, these suggestions forward it really will just be those unknown
2: That's that's what some of the comments are coming in saying here just basically Facebook users are saying how do you know that Kennedy didn't tried to make those changes. Lennon was the manager, never really liked that style. He did mention that when he came in at first, when he was in as caretaker. um, He said that they were going to continue to play the style that Rodgers had implemented throughout the squad. Um, And then when he took the job on a full-time basis, it was trying to change it up. And there was almost a sort of hybrid between the way that Rodgers wanted to play football and the way that Lennon wanted to play football. Um, I mean, you saw it more, Celtic tried to go more direct at times, um, the kind of idea of building up from the back, uh, passing left, right, left, right. Um, a lot of the time you see not under Rodgers, the ball kind of done a U shape. It went out to the left, out to the right, and eventually they got, got a crossover. Um, then we saw this season probably the full implementation of the kind of style of football that Neil Lennon wanted to play, and it didn't work for us. And that's all we can say is that the style we wanted to play didn't work. Um, now Kennedy's trying to go back to what he learned under Rodgers we'll see it for maybe the next five potentially ten games that we're going to discuss in a second because the Scottish Cup could be coming back Um, but it just probably shows that we needed to move on from the kind of style of manager that Neil Lennon was to a more progressive manager Um, and I just wonder if that had happened earlier in the season would things have been different
3: I've got some maybes all the way
2: All right, Derek Johnson um, but no so definitely it was interesting comments from Jackie McNamara and a lot of people coming in saying um, I'm a snowflake for reacting to it well maybe I am but I just think there's um, it's probably not the right time to you've got to protect
3: your players at the end of the day you've got to protect your players um, yeah, and protect like your clients as well and like I say it just who knows if Veg if, um, Taylor tipped them off to that hi Kev um, but We'll never know, Um, but like I say, it probably just doesn't bode well right now, I'd say.
2: So, I I don't think he should have mentioned it because of his connection to Celtic. He's on Celtic TV, he's Greg Taylor's agent. I think that's the the wrong place to say it, but everyone is obviously entitled to their opinion. Just like everyone who's watching along is entitled to their opinion, Uh, we're delighted to have you here on a Wednesday lunchtime. Thank you for spending it with us. We're live on Facebook, YouTube and on Twitter. Get your comments in, we'll bring some of them up later on in the show. We're just about halfway through the bulletin now, and there's still lots to talk about um that's happened in the last twenty-four hours. Before we go into the Scottish Cup, I want to bring up the transfer rumour of Odson Edward. Now, this is one that doesn't seem to be going away. Um the transfer window podcast were out last week, and they are saying that Arsenal have had a solid inquiry um for Odson Edward. €25 million euros is the um, the fee, which works out roughly to about £22 million. Um, pounds. Look as if Arsenal are trying to replace Alexander Lacazette, who will be moving on in the summer. £22 million pounds for someone who's only got 12, million, sorry, 12 months left on their deal. That would be a fantastic bit of business if that goes through, but um, it's certainly a lot higher than I was anticipating. I don't know what you would have expected.
3: What, for Lacazette?
2: No, for Edward.
3: Oh, for Edward. Sorry, um, at twenty five million.
2: Twenty five million euros. Twenty five million it euros,
3: mark. and yeah. you think that's higher than what you would have?
2: Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, the guy's only got twelve months left on his deal. I guess it would be different if you'd signed him to an extended deal, considering the fact that he was linked what sort of thirty million pound mark only twelve months ago. I think if you still managed to get twenty two million pound for him, that's an incredible bit of business.
3: I'd be looking for a bit more. I'd still... I understand that there's only the 12 months um, on the contract. I I appreciate that. But, I don't know. I'd still be looking at that higher end of um, 25 to 30. Yeah, definitely. Um, How long did Tierney have on the his deal? How long did he still have left? Four years. Four years, okay. Um, I I don't know. It's a tricky... It is a tricky one. Like you say, there is... um, the, the fact that there is only 12 months left, but I don't know. I think in the sense that £22 million, how much we go to PSG?
2: Well, that's what a lot of the comments are coming in saying, that potentially PSG have got a 40% sell-on clause. I yeah. don't think that's ever been confirmed, um, but that is the sort of the rumour that goes around. Um, so even if you take that on, it's 40% of the profit. So if we say that it was bought for £9 million, again, that fee's never even been considered. Um, then you're getting 40% of 13 million PSG would be getting which is about 5 million pounds
3: I don't know I just feel that I just I, like I say I appreciate that there's only a year left on his contract I really do but you just need to look at, and I'm not just talking about and Genie, but you look at like the other um, the strikers that are kicking about in the Premier League There's that, that one comes up and that hits me every time Oli McBurney, 20 million <laughs> mm-hmm. if he's worth 20 million then I'm sorry I'm worth 20 million Um it's absolutely ridiculous, and that's when I'm thinking. I just feel that if, if Arsenal can, Arsenal can do better than that. In the sense that they can, we can push them for more than that if they really, really want them. Um, I think it's about time we play a little bit more hard to get. Yeah, it is going to go. And at the end of the day, if he wants out, then player has so, the power of a player is, is so um, so colossal nowadays. But no, I'd still. I don't know. I think I genuinely. Even with just a year, I think I would be disappointed if it was the 2022. Because, like I say, you look at as Sheffield United side, the money spent on um, McBurney, I don't know how much Burke was, because that's just that. 15
2: million, or 15 like million that
3: there you go. Um, for a guy who's oh, <laughs> right, well, there you go, 15 million for Burke. I don't even know who did end up getting him from. Is it still West Brom? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, he couldn't have had a, a very long contract. He wasn't really there. Um, like Ryan Brewster from Liverpool, I appreciate that's Liverpool. It's a bit different, youthful, and all of that. But Eddie's still youthful. Um, I, like I say, I, I understand the contract, but if you're talking about his youth and you're talking about his um Eddie's potential, still the way that he's the way that he's playing this season. Do you know what I mean this is deemed one of his worst seasons? And how many goals has he bagged? He's twenty plus already. I think. Mm. Um. So, yeah, I just think that if um, if McBurney can go for £20 million, then the potential and sort of just the, the prowess of, of Edward still, it has to weigh in something else the way it's weight in gold.
2: i just got a lot of people coming in here trying to correct my math, saying that 40% of £25 million is £10 million and things like that. No, it's 40% of the profit. So there's £13 million pounds of profit, so it's roughly about £5 million pounds that PSG would get. Just wanted to clear that one up. Just let like you go for that. But yeah, a lot of people saying uh, McBurney terrible player, Uh, Brewster, terrible player. Um, People saying, please don't mention that guy's name again, (laughs) Sheffield United forward. Um, Yeah, honestly, the money that's spent down there. But there's always been a thing about Scottish football where teams have been so, I don't know, they've kind of been reluctant to spend that kind of money. And obviously Arsenal spent the money on Kieran Tierney um, two years ago now. I just think with 12 months left on the deal, if you get £22 million, I think it's a fantastic bit of business. Um, I just
3: don't think I you can sit here thought- and say it's fantastic. I really don't. Like again, I appreciate the contract. I really, really mm. do. But you're looking at Tierney right now and they're laughing at us that we only. like, that we let him go for twenty five, like they are proper laughing. I was like, I've got one of my pals is that yeah. a big Arsenal fan, yeah. and he's totally like, he's like any day, any time. He's like twenty five million. My God, that is like it is total bargain. You look at the the stats to your in. It's to no surprise to us, of course. But he really is a like, he's a total another game changer. He's bringing everything to that Arsenal side that they have been lacking. He's out for a game, and everything hits the fan. It really does. So I just I don't. I just don't see it. you can sit here and think twenty two twenty whatever million for for Edward is fantastic. Yeah, I think I'd be like, right, okay, but I just do not see it being fantastic.
2: So then, just playing devil's advocate, then if you do, if you hold out for that kind of money, and it doesn't come, do you just let him leave in the summer on a free contract?
3: I understand that's a catch twenty two. It really is, but I just yeah. I can't not see like, and I'm not just mean an Arsenal. There are so many clubs out there in dire need of a striker. Um, and it's the same with Ayer. There's so many clubs out there and down a centre have. half. There is a real lack of um, youthful talent kicking about. All the big, big clubs snap them up. Haaland, Sancho's obviously kicking about, but there's only going to be a few. Like in the summer, there will be a few clubs able to compete for Jason Sancho. Um, if it be Man United, PSG, Real, everyone's sort of kicking about for him right now. So. There will be there is that sort of aftermath as well, like I say, and it's a tournament. There's a it's a tournament summer as well, which I think some people think hinder, but I think that can kind of help. Somebody could have an absolute howler, and um, clubs are like, right, we need somebody. And obviously, Edward's still very young, Um, but I think it's just it's going to be an interesting time. I really do, but um, at twenty two million. I don't. I would not be jumping out of my seat and grabbing that at every chance. I would push. But maybe that's just me being a little bit... That's maybe the feminine coming in, I want a little bit more money.
2: <laughs> what a shock. So, so, for, for example, if you take a look at it and say the transfer fee is £22 million, is what's been rumoured. That's that's the price. That's not us making this up. That is what has been um, mentioned on the Transfer Window podcast. You're looking at the £22 million. Celtic's are never going to spend £22 million in replacing them. But potentially there's some other people out there um, that Celtic could be going for. I've looked at some of the people that's out there and I'm going to suggest some potential replacements. Anyone that's in the comments, drop there. Um, potential replacements coming in as well. I've looked at players like Plymouth Gales, Luke Jeffcott. He's a Welsh under-21 international. He scored 16 goals for them this season. Um this In the January transfer window, he was linked to moves to Sheffield Wednesday for £3.5 million. Again, a young guy that can be developed and brought in. I think he, he stands just about six foot one tall as well. So it's a kind of tall physical striker as well. At, 30, at, at £3.5 million, 21 years old, is that someone you think we could maybe take a punt on?
3: Yeah, um, you see, that's probably where we're going to look. Um, it's just the way we go about our business. Um, it's really going to, like I say, it's really going to depend on who the manager comes in. It's sort of, that is sort of a player that like you sort of alluded to, um, Josh King earlier, uh, Callum Wilson even, who's obviously now at Newcastle. That was that was all Bournemouth. That was all Eddie Howe. That is the sort of player that I can see how looking at looking at those um, lower leagues and picking out those gems. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of promise in that as well.
2: A lot of people also speaking about Ivan Tony now completely missed the boat with Ivan Tony there and Stephen McGowan um, who we all know has great contacts at Celtic, confirmed that Ivan Tony was at Celtic Park to sign a deal and that one fell through. That blows my mind. When you look at the kind of contribution he's had for Brentford this season he's probably going to go and spend um, in fact someone's going to go and spend serious money on him this summer and take him into the, the Premiership so for me, that that's a deal I can't believe we let like, slip through. Um but, I mean there's some surfing. comments I know. There's some comments coming in just with some suggestions, but for me, one that I think people should go and take a look at, and I'm going to murder the the kind of pronunciation of this guy's surname, so I apologise. But Paul Ono that's it's terrible pronunciation. He's a Nigerian striker that plays for Genk. He was formerly of FC Mitchelland, um, and he scored almost a hundred goals in five seasons. Six foot seven inches tall, roughly the going price for him is about seven to 10 million pounds. That's us actually taking a look out into the European market and trying to replace Edward with an experienced striker. Do you think that's something we could potentially look
3: at? I really don't. I think as well, um, in a Brexit climate as well, I really don't see that happening. Um, Again, and I know I keep clinging back to, to how, but I think that's another crucial reason why we need to maybe look at somebody like Eddie Howe this summer is going to be it's very hard as well to talk about transfers when we obviously we don't even have a manager because somebody that Benitez would sign or Martinez would sign is going to be different to who How would sign or Jack Ross would sign but I really we will need to be looking um, we will need to be looking at a lot in the lower leagues of, of English football. It really is. understand that we missed that with with Tony. But um, that is sort of the market that we'll be looking in. I don't... Uh, I'm not going to try and butcher his name as well, but the last player that you mentioned, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I, don't, I just do not see that happening with Brexit and probably, probably still too pricey for us in the sense that, like, would we really that's not really us to go and buy out the ready made sort of striker, but um no I really see us looking um under the the lower leagues of football the lower leagues of English football absolutely
2: I think if you get someone um like Paul at genk, I'm not going to say something because i murdered it the first time um and you spend that kind of money you you see he's a an experienced striker he's scored consistently over the last five seasons it's not as if it's just been um someone that's kind of had a one-season wonder and he scored maybe 20-30 goals in one season. It's consistent and it's across a couple of leagues as well. So you know what you're getting in. It's different to maybe spending something like £3.5 million on someone like Patrick Klamala, who we saw he was playing in the Polish second division at the time and he wasn't exactly banging in the goals there. So you're actually buying experience. But as you said, that's not the route that Celtic's been going down this year. Do you think it's more to do with how much you'd have to spend out on someone like that that Celtic just wouldn't spend the money? But then we spent £5 million on someone like Albion Aieti this year, so it, it kind of balances it, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it does balance it. And as people said, obviously we paid like £9 million for Eduard after Dembele. But I think the crucial fact there is obviously we had Edouard on loan first um, and we we did sort of see who he was. Um I just I don't know like I said, it's very very difficult to talk about any sort of transfer when, when we don't have a manager um in place or have any clue who it could be and that really will dictate which markets we look into because who knows maybe maybe Brexit won't have the impact that we also I think about again that's sort of um that'll be more Natasha's realms um, of knowledge than my own I don't know how much of that that will play work permits all of that jazz that's... Um, that's that's all the technical stuff that I just sort of try and stay away from, but like I say, it's just very difficult to to um, to anticipate who we who we could sign, who could be an option if we don't have a manager in it.
2: And just I've kept one here as well that is potentially someone that fits into that complete mould that you've said. The kind of someone that's in a lower league, someone that's kind of free, young can mould them into a player, and it's uh, Balogun, from Arsenal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, um so um Foller and Baligan, nineteen years old, American striker, um, he's out of contract this summer, been previously linked to Brentford, Leipzig and Wren. Is that someone that would be potentially in the kind of the mix that Celtic should be looking at this summer?
3: Well, yeah, he wouldn't be going to Brentford because they've got Ivan Tony. But um I like I say it's all but so maybe, it's, but it's 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 exciting to look at these names. Of course, it is, and maybe exciting is not the word. But it's a little bit optimistic. You're sort of looking forward, but I don't know. It's it's hard because you look at some of the we talk about right that we don't spend the big money. You look at the big money that we have been spending in the last few years. Um, Let like you say a Yeti. Um, Obviously, there's it's balances. There's there's some class ones and there's some not so class ones at all. So it's just trying to find that perfect medium. You'd like to think that a a top class manager would come in and sort of know what he's wanting, but there's going to be flops everywhere. Of course there is. Um, Like I say, it's just very hard right now that you're seeing Ivan Tony. Like that story does not get any easier. I think that's a week now since she told me that Tony was in the building, and I think I've told everybody. I just I just can't get over that. That is the biggest disappointment in, a, in recent times for sure
2: certainly some some comments coming in here um, and we do welcome in uh, Lewis Laird from the Cynic who's saying that Arteta's confident that he will stay there um, yeah I mean I think Arteta's going to it's one of those ones I think it will depend on how Arsenal finish this season if they get into Europe I think he'll probably stay there um, if he doesn't if Arsenal don't then I don't know um, Barry John Milsip, I'm just going to bring this comment up here I, I'm guessing this is on the, the Paul from Ghent, 6 foot 7 striker that I was mentioning, 8 to 10 million pounds on one player is too much as we probably have at least 7 to 8 to come in and that's probably a really good point um, I'm just looking at potentially what you would do um, with the, the money that we you would get in for Odds on Edward I think everyone's sort of under the assumption that he will move on in the summer um, but then This is all going to be down to what kind of manager we bring in and letting him pick his own players. But we're just kind of throwing some suggestions out there. Maybe some people will go away and take a look at um, the Y-Scout tool that I know some people have to take a look at some of these players. But, you know, you put these names out there and suddenly um, Celtic makes show an interest in them. I've seen that before.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's it's all just a waiting game right now and we'll just need to... um to see who comes in the door first as manager and then we can start, hopefully, being a little bit more concrete in in these sort of players.
2: Durban Culture giving us a perfect segue here saying, can we win the Scottish Cup? Now, we were just discussing this on the Football Insomniac podcast, which airs at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday beforehand. Amy was my guest today um, and we took a look at what could be happening in the Scottish Cup. Now, um, our friend Ewan Robertson has confirmed in the Daily Record today that or oh, sorry, last night it was, that round two of the Scottish Cup could be played on the 23rd of March. Um, Celtic would be set to face either Broth or Falkirk in round three, Um, which means there would be 32 teams left, so you've got potentially another five games left in that tournament this season. Great news for anybody that had John Kennedy on as the next manager of Celtic at the bookies, because that means he would pass the 10 qualified games that you need to get your money back. I've seen quite a few people um, throwing their money on that. Now, if you haven't, you'll probably see that the odds are all way, way down. So if anyone sees John Kennedy's favourite at the bookies for the job, that's why, because you'd have the 10 games in before the end of the season if the Scottish Cup goes ahead. Um, but yeah, five potential games to play. Celtic potentially going for five Scottish Cups in a row. It's never been done in Scottish football. Um, in fact, the record was broken in December when yeah. Chris Iyer scored that penalty. We were the first team to win four Scottish Cups in a row. Uh, we've not lost a, a final since 2002 the omens are good but will we see Celtic um, playing in the Scottish Cup this season do you think it will go ahead?
3: I don't know I really don't it's a total and utter mess um, who knows easily in the last two hours us being on pods things could have broke who knows um, I don't have a clue what's happening with League 1 League 2 um, if anyone does please let us know Um but it's a mess, it really is. I can't see it continuing. I cannot see it continuing if League One and League Two do not um do not come back. Because it's just Scottish Club is massive. Um like we spoke about it before. Like for for me at Bonnerig Rose, obviously we played Dundee in the last round and we were devastated that there were no fans in, but it's absolutely massive to these sort of clubs. Now that's Bonnerig and we were we were hopeful we could maybe getting a few rounds but you're looking at something like Falkirk and Falkirk VR both, uh, nobody's writing off that Campbell but Falkirk would be thinking right we can maybe have a wee run here and teams are going to think that and have every right to think that the Scottish Cup is massive so you can't just then say oh it's coming back but we're going to, it's not going to work if or the League One, League Two and even those Highland League clubs that are still in it like it's just not going to file them out um, so until there's some certainty on if League One and League Two are resume and then like I say, I know you, you're sort of posing this question on the basis of last night when it looked like the leagues were coming back. Obviously this morning they've sort of went, nah, I didn't fancy it. So mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's a total enough our mess right now. And as we said, what a shock that um, that the, um, the SFA Fair really put at communication. What a shock.
2: Yeah, Archie Ennis just coming in here saying that the First Minister confirmed the Scottish Cup is going ahead yesterday. Yes, she did. But the question we're putting out here is, how much integrity can it still have if the League 1 and League 2 and the Highland teams don't participate in it? For example, Celtic are set to play either Arbroath or Falkirk. Now, Falkirk are a League 1 side, so if they decide that they don't want to come back, then what happens? We just play Falkirk. We play Arbroath instead. They're, they're in the Championship right now. Am um, I I'm, I'm right in saying that? Arbroath are in the Championship, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Dick Campbell, yeah. 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 So, then, That's us. We're into the round of 32. Forget about the second round because you don't need to play it. All those teams are already out. It just seems... I don't understand why they're trying to rush this in. We have a deadline if you want to play the game at Hampton because the stadium has to be handed over for the Euros this summer. But we do have a break in between the last scheduled game and the first game after the split of about three weeks, which to me seems ridiculous. We should be moving those games forward. But you could get these games fitted in in that period. This all seems to come back to money and that's what we discussed earlier on, money seems to be the issue here with the lower league teams. Should the government and should the SFA be trying to get some sort of investment to get this going if they really want to bring the Scottish Cup back this season?
3: Like we say and touching back on on the comment that you brought up. Yeah, Nicholas Sturgeon did say that, and that was as when we were under the impression because she also said League One and League Two are coming back. They've now said they don't want to come back. They've said that this morning, so it does sort of throw it up in arms, uh, throw it up in the air. Sorry that if they don't, if they're not, if they don't want to play, then that's a big issue. Um, like you say, it's communication, it's money, it's all this, um, and it's the same talking points that we've talked about f- for coming up a year now. Um, Going back to, I think your original question was, can Celtic win it?" I'd like to think so, but really, right now, I don't know. Again, I think it's very hard to talk about a competition that I just, I do not see going ahead right now because you just, you can't just say right now we're, we offered for you clubs to come back; you are choosing not to, but we're still going to run the Scottish. Like, there's just, it's just a mess. It is a total and utter mess. And there's people clearly out their depth, but like I say, the biggest issue is communication that. Why is that statement even coming out if the um, if League One and League Two clubs actually don't want to come back in the first place? Surely they should have been consulted. I'm assuming that they weren't consulted, and the fact that they then would have said, "No, we actually don't want to come back," then like maybe put it that statement sort of thing. But it's just all a mess. Like it is, um, it's just just a bit of a disaster.
2: Just seeing Kenny Campbell coming in saying John Kennedy already the five to six favourite. It's just exactly what I said. Bookies will pay out once a manager, even if he's a caretaker, takes charge of roughly between eight to ten games. If Celtic make the league, the Scottish Cup final, John Kennedy will have played the ten will have managed the ten games. Even if they make the quarter final, I think he will have made the ten games. So that's why people's putting their money on now, because they're looking to try and get something back off the Bookies. I wouldn't take it in that uh, John Kennedy will be the next permanent manager. So don't don't be panicking over that one. Um a couple of other Points coming in. Cinco um, uh, again, saying it complete another utter farce, the Scottish Cup this season. Um, KS caretakers coming in saying, hope the Cup is cancelled because we are, and I'll let someone else finish that. Um, but yeah, look, I think it would be a kind of nice way to wrap up the season. Um, okay, the season's been, and some people don't want you to say it, but it's been a complete mitigated disaster from the start um but imagine you came away winning the scottish cup um that would kind of it would put a nice bow on this period of domination that we've had in forward i i i i think I think so i think you you can put the bow on it knowing that it's done you've got that kind of scottish cup that kind of that, that finishes it you then you've got something to look forward to for next season knowing that you've had that kind of run of games you've won the scottish cup you can look forward to next season okay we'll agree to disagree not for the first time today um but yeah i think considering the season that we've we've had if you at least get a trophy out of it it's it's better than nothing i'm still not winning you over here am i
3: just, I don't think that I, I, maybe it's just the phrase I'm not a fan. Like sticking a bone I, I appreciate what you're saying that you're sort of bringing an end to it but um, oh, at the end of the day Rangers have won the league eh, so
2: <laughs> Well here, here's a better way of putting it from Kinky to Dettie a nice cherry on a turd. that would probably be the nice way to kind of wrap up this season uh, but yeah look there's going to be a lot happening in the next 24 hours at Celtic. Um, and Jim Hannaway coming in just saying, dream on, Colin. We're not happy with the Scottish Cup after all the promise we had at the start of the season. And I completely agree with that. I do agree with it, right? It's not what we we'd aimed for at the start of the season. Um, but considering the position that we find ourselves in, just to have some sort of trophy where to come out at the end of it, I think it's... I don't know, maybe it's the, as you, you've said that it, maybe it's the romantic in me that wants to see us at least lifting that trophy at the end of the season. Um, but, I mean, that's all about where the trophy will go ahead or not. We'll look forward to seeing what will happen. But what we do know is in the next 24 hours, there'll be lots more um, for the Thursday squad to discuss tomorrow. Uh, Paul John Dykes will be back hosting. He'll be joined by Declan McConville and JP Morgan. But, just before we go, there is a kind of special on Monday. Amy, do you want to tell us a bit more about what will be happening on Monday's bulletin?
3: I don't know we're going to plug this. i plug it again. Um, yeah, so uh, on Monday, um, Kevin and Russell are getting a wee day off after all their great work last night on Scream of Selica, which... Is terrific if you've not checked that out. Um, that's well worth a watch. That was really good last night. Um, so yeah, uh, Natasha, Laura, and I will be um, taking over on Monday, and it's going to be an all-girls lineup. So it's just been a matter of the time, really, hasn't it? It's about time some sense is said on this pod. So um, yeah, look forward to Monday.
2: And I, I apologise to JP as well. It's not <laughs> JP Morgan. That's the bank. It's JP Mason. Uh, but- <laughs> Just to to clarify, you guys are on, uh, sorry, you you girls are on on Monday uh, Mm -hmm. because it's National Women's Day. uh, Yeah, National
3: Women's Day,
2: yeah. You are hosting the the show on Monday, um, so we'll look forward to seeing that. Um, But until tomorrow, everyone, please take care, stay safe, and a massive.